You are listening to Mark Hatmaker Rough and Tumble Raconteur. This is a grab bag of old school Western martial arts, resurrected indigenous ways and empirical musings tinged with a heavy dose of respect, admiration, let's call it hero worship, for these hosses of yore. Hey crew, this is Mark Hatmaker coming to you from the Comancheria. Today let's talk about building old school shoulders for warriors. All right, now this uh, is for the combat athlete and also just be for someone who's wanted to train and sculpt up for a bit or anyone who just is out there enjoying life and interacting, right? Are you ready for an obvious statement? Here it comes, okay? Keep your eyes open. Powerful shoulders are vital to the combat athlete, huh? Yeah, it's pretty pretty obvious there. It's also vital to any life warrior out there who choose to interact with this planet uh, rather than simply view the, the uh, National Geographic quality photos that, that allow us to suffice the soul. Now, we want to get out there and do some stuff. We want to taste a bit of the world, right? Now, uh, combat, survival, swimming, climbing, skulking in a low crawl while on an ambush, I mean, what have you, these all require not only strength, but stamina and full use of the fluidity that this ball and socket joint can provide in its healthy state. Often shoulder power is sought via only weight use only, and this is indeed not a bad way to go, but there are a few alternate considerations to ponder to see if old school thought can inform us how to better aid our own shoulder pursuits of the four attributes. And what are those four attributes, Mark? Glad you asked. They are number one, strength, two, stamina, three, pliancy, and four, aesthetics. And keep in mind, pliancy is not the same thing as mobility, as we uh, kind of preached on the pliant physique. Let's uh, kind of break down some more points as we go uh, about the old school way of doing this. Number one, old school iron training, just iron, can indeed fit the bill exclusively with building shoulder strength. There's countless examples can attest to that. I mean, there's overhead pressing of many varieties uh, have been used to do the deed from seesaw presses, Arnold presses, old school military continental presses. But to many an old timer, iron only was stopping short and perhaps akin to a child's training wheels that are never taken off the performance bike that is or can be your shoulder girdle all right we'll get more into that uh, later on to make sure we clarify the point number two let us clear another po- uh, clarify another point here old school thought defines pressing as strict control throughout the entire movement from concentric to eccentric along with two peak isometric holds uh, either end of the extreme of full flexion and full extension anything that concentrates on merely one or two aspects is falling short so in other words sometimes when I hey the old school guys did a lot of isometrics yeah they did and then uh, some people say well I do this much and this and then they're going to go well where's your eccentric and concentric every exercise whether it's weighted or unweighted or less Leaded or unleaded, if you will, uh, they should be running those four elements the entire time. You're working your concentric, eccentric, and two isometric holds in there. And that way you don't have to you know, subdivide your training day and major in the minors, as Christian Timothy would say, and you know, eat up more time. If every exercise has these aspects involved, you're getting isometric training and you're also getting uh, a movement training at uh, both aspects of this. It's, it's, it's an all-in-one sort of thing, and the subdividing it is a bit uh, too reverse-engineered and maybe missing the point sometime. Now, with this in mind, though, any press at speed is not a press at all, but by definition, a jerk or a push. Pushes and jerks were used to aid and abet poundage lifts when you're going for records, but they were not the primary builder of the musculature to develop the uh, muscles in question. For that, we go back to strict and controlled. Now, now following up what I'm saying here, if we think about uh, push presses and push jerks. These are great exercises uh, to play with, but really more heart and lung uh, sorts of things. So hard to get you used to if you're working towards doing maximum lifts 
lifts in that particular exercise, not necessarily sport performance. For when they actually build the strength of the shoulder girdle, we've got to go back to the strict motion of the press. Uh, inertial lifts are not the true strength we're looking for. What you think about this? Let's say you're doing a kettlebell swing. You got uh, uh, you're, you're swinging a, uh, a single hand th- uh, hand to thigh uh, kettlebell. You do a hundred of these uh, with your right hand, or maybe a hundred with the or you know fifty. It doesn't even matter. You're just swinging. And that's an inertial lift. Yes, there's some strength and stability involved, and you know, keep your uh, your body and your hip pop and everything going and such. But you would not mistake taking that same kettlebell weight and doing that uh, same amount of strict presses uh, with that weight. There's you are able to do a third more work whenever we start applying inertia. So approximately a third with the, with the mathematics to get to where we're going on most of these things in the old school ways. They wanted you to be able to do slow and controlled. And then later on, if you were just playing for the, uh, see who's the king of the gym, then you're allowed these inertial weights to come in. Sometimes we're switching it backwards. We're doing inertial work and we're doing very little of the, uh, what was old school strict and controlled work. All right. Uh, a third point. It is, uh, to better aid and abet the strict control that movement alternate uh, alternate to just iron only was used side by side, which brings us to inversion training. What I'm saying here is that uh, you don't have to make a choice. You don't have to go, do I do calisthenics only or should I do iron only and vice versa? You go, no. The old schoolers were using a combination of the two day in, day out. And that's the point of what we're talking about with this. Unleaded does, doesn't mean completely training only with calisthenics. Uh, it means uh, you can reduce the amount of lead. So even if you're lifting, you should be lifting less because we're trying to alternate how we have our leverage points so you can you know, be kinder on yourself, build a little bit more true strength among unusual planes, and also whenever we go unleaded with the uh, actually no lead whatsoever, no weight whatsoever, or make sure our, our calisthenics uh, have a bit more uh, stink on them and uh, we can have a bit better and safer way to build uh, some of these bodies. And yeah, I'm coming at you as a 57-year-old man who, uh, uh, I'm not going to lie, I got some regrets about some old school, I mean, old choices, not old school choices, uh, prior choices that have too much banging on the body. Now, now, number four, here's a thought to keep in mind. Today, jacked is often pursued simply to be jacked or to snag the oh-so-correctly-lit Instagram image. I mean, old school thought sees the pursuit of strength, stamina, pliancy, and the accompanying quality of aesthetics as age to the goal of performance. I mean, looking good, hell, we all want that. But the ability to move big poundage, yeah, this this pursued by many, but also a large part of many a physical culturist regimen in the old days were auxiliary goals. Among them, training to be a hand bouncer or an equilibrist. Uh, that is people good in an inverted position here. That is one skilled in handstands, inversions, and a staggering variety of upside-down feats. Many an old-time strongman was not merely a jacked specimen pre-steroids or pre-supplement pre-creatine, but a pursuer of many tales of the dragon. See, Otto Arco comes to mind. If you take a, I'll put the link in here for the, uh, the the text version of this. We got a photo of Mr. Otto Arco here, and you get to think about, wait, there's no supplements here? Nope, none whatsoever. Otto Arco, for example, was not only a superb physical specimen that would embarrass many an Instagrammer and never leave the gymmer, but he was also a noted wrestler, acrobat, and a noted hand bouncer. All right, and he's also a big deal on slinging some weights around. And so, uh, Arco was not the exception about this true cross training from that time. Most early physical culture has trained the inversion. Now, we might be asking, why? Why would they do this? I mean, what are all the benefits that might come from this? Number one, athletic ability. Exercise to exercise is often the only so-called sport many engage in now. Or so we got to get down like getting ready, which exercise is, is now for many the goal itself. Just go out and do exercises, we're done, and they go, that's it. No, old school training was to aid and abet expanding human ability. 
Number two, inversion training without weights puts the shoulder girdle through a wider range of motion while under load, creating supple strength throughout movement planes that iron only training cannot address. In other words, true pliancy or mobility in today's pathological parlance. Number three, inversion training allows one to train and emphasize the shoulders hard without placing the lumbar spine in jeopardy, all right? Think about that. And whenever you're doing strict presses or heavy presses, hell, even when we get up to the jerk and push presses overhead, uh, think about this. We are unloading that spine. We're also unloading the hips and knees while decompressing the spine to a degree. This was highly valued then. I gotta tell you, I highly value it now. I've been through my knee surgeries and <laughs> hip battles, and it's great to no longer, I mean, to go away. I can get this strength. I can go even further in my strength and not uh, screw up everything that's uh, below the hips. Number four, inversion brings more musculature engagement at the table. A single handstand push-up, a standard handstand push-up, engages the deltoids, primarily the anterior, but also some of the lateral fibers. But the canny old-timers used a wide variety of tips and tricks to alter loads and position to increase muscle recruitment. In other words, never seek to make the movement easier, but tweak the leverage to increase what uh, one would assume to be a static load, and that is one's own body. Also, the musculature engaged with the triceps, uh, the serratus magni, the middle portion of the trapezi, uh, trapezi, and there is far more forearm engagement than one encounters in, in the press. Anyone who's done any sort of inversion work, hell, you can just do it by doing, you know, one five-minute uh, round of uh, true bear crawling as such, and your, your forearms start lighting up. Same thing when you load the entire body on top and just uh, instead of just quadrupedal moment, uh, movement. The old-timers found that one adept in the averted pressing position was also, I'm going to quote here, David Willoughby, quote, one who was adept in the inverted pressing position was also, quote, bound to be a good overhead presser when standing on his feet and using a barbell, whether or not he has ever before trained with this invaluable apparatus. Unquote. Are you getting that? These hosses said the inversion allows one to make big gains in an exercise or feat that they had never performed. Whereas the exercise itself, the press, does not confer like benefits to the inverted state. Okay, let's restate that again. Mastering strict state inverted pressing provides commensurate ability in weighted pressing, be that Olympic, kettlebell, dumbbell, or standard pressing variations. Whereas weighted pressing, no matter the numbers on the bar, in no way guarantees like or even near ability in the inverted state. All right, I want you to think about that. With inverted pressing, there are few athletic endeavors that confer these cross-domain gains. Most movements are domain-specific, but weighted pressing seems to conform to the standard rule of, of domain specificity. One gets good at the exercise itself. It's pushing the weight overhead with little transfer outside the ludic sphere. And as we've gamified uh, a motion, recall the difference between exercise to merely exercise and movement to be ready? Um, so there you go. Inverted pressing. A lot to recommend it. Now, number five, the next one is the leaning effect. I don't mean like leaning as the leaning tower of pizza. Of pizza. I mean, you know, cutting down on body fat. The heavier you are, the harder the inverted press series becomes. That is, as our body weight goes up, our effective performance goes down. You can, this can hold true for lots of other things, from pull-ups and, you know, and chin-ups and doing uh, flags, uh, levers, etc. Uh, the, the heavier you are, the tougher it gets. In weighted pressing, body weight holds little sway. In fact, often the bigger the athlete, the more plates one be able to add to the bar. Often it is found that as a strength athlete rises in weight, assuming training has been continuous, the numbers in the bar tick upward, right? But 
Some of these gains may be illusory as press weight ratio to true body weight does not conform to a one-to-one relationship. That is, big boys should be pressing big numbers in comparison with smaller athletes. In weighted pressing, one would need to compare body weight to press totals and not merely ask what's your press one rep max. Those shouldn't matter. It should come down to ratios to have a true gauge of individual strength. Whereas inverted pressing... The playing field is leveled. All are fighting the same constant, the self one carries around on this planet day in, day out. Now, in dedicated inversion work, the body seems to recognize the deficit when big, uh, getting bigger tips the balance into no longer in control of oneself. Inversion work allows one to keep a weather eye on the weight scale in a way that weighted pressing does not. And that's been my huge experience uh, on this. Whenever I first really went, uh, started experimenting completely with the old school and developing the uh, unleaded program, uh, I've been walking around for over a decade, around 194, 195, and I'm now... Uh, um, 175 almost I mean, that was almost came for me almost inside 33 to 35 days and it wasn't even really trying it's really making the adjustment the body seemed to know oh you're you're requiring something different from yourself and it made that adjustment and I saw no commensurate loss in strength with whatever the prior iron that I was moving around and now I'm no longer interested in that pursuing this other tail of the dragon um Number six, strict inverted pressing is uh, it's a form that abides by fluid and smooth eccentric concentric and two isometric pauses. That is no inverted kipping. You know that thing where people kind of get upside down against the wall and do that inverted double kick, and they use that to hit their high numbers. Again, that is inertia to rise and has nothing to do with strength. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking handstand push-ups at all. You don't even have to do them free form off the wall. You can do them against the wall, but there should be uh, none of this assist with it. I mean, this is old school strict form is comparable to uh, is comparable to the strict military press now keep in mind the old school definition of military press is yes strict form but also a true military press is to stand straight as an arrow your knees are locked and your heels are together all right now most of you probably know this and some don't when they're surprised i've got some folks who come and say i can push this much can do a military press they go yep and they go no once you put the heels together you know things change a little bit something about that if for something that makes the shoulders truly uh do the work and so you get the same thing whenever you you know flip yourself over if one has only done the Olympic press minus the jerk or push from the knees or shoulders with the uh, wide stance. Give the true military press a try. It might humble you or inform you. All right. Now, for those who desire to quantify their inversion, sports historian, strength athlete, statistician David P. Willoughby has done us an ins- um, a wonderful job for us by providing the following ratios. To perform an inverted press from the floor, that is just you can you know, kick yourself up against a wall, handstand push up from the floor, is equivalent to doing a two-handed military press with 79% of the athlete's body weight. And you don't have to memorize these numbers. Again, I'll put the, uh, the link to the uh, show notes in there. You can take a look at text version of it and you know, keep up with all this. Once the athlete progresses to a handstand pressing off of a low platform or low parallel bars, that has probably taken about, uh, yourself down to about ear level with the platform or bars you're on, we move to 79% of body weight to military pressing to the equivalent of 90% of body weight if that were an actual bar. Now, once we progress to the shoulders touching the parallel bars, we have reached an astonishing 96% of body weight. That would be you pressing overhead, military style, strictly 96% of your body weight. I mean, those are stunning numbers when you get down to it. Now, one can train for strict shoulder strength, balance, fluidity, agility, all without placing the spine or shoulders into jeopardy. I mean, that's absolutely remarkable. Imagine taking that much weight, throwing on your shoulders overhead and thinking about how much lumbar pressures you're going to feel here. We slip, you know, and turn it around to inverted and you're working towards that almighty, get all the way down there and let your shoulders touch, uh, touch that bar, uh, the uh, floor, the platform. It's amazing. 
Now, you might be thinking to yourself, Mark, that's all neat, but I can't do a handstand push-up. Not all of you are saying that. Some might be. And maybe if you can't, that's okay. Maybe not one of the varieties just described, but as Mr. Willoughby shows us, the loads are scalable as we regress the inversion. Tended push-ups, band-assisted inversions, hell, even handstand shrugs with feet balanced against the wall, moving only uh, one or two inches quickly, brings the skill within the grasp of the committed. Now, now, by the way, the material on inversion training is staggering, and we will offer a tamed and progressive version of this old-school vocabulary along with a few adjunct dumbbell exercises in the unleaded conditioning volume titled The Shoulder Battery. And now for other unleaded volumes, well, again, I'll provide links for it because we've already got them out for the uh, the trunk. We've got them out for the chest and so on. The, uh, the shoulder is uh, coming up very soon. It'll be just in time for New Year's resolutions. So anyway, we've got to think about this uh, inversion training. Old-school strength. Let's see, stamina, pliancy, and aesthetics, gear-free. Well, oh, having a wall is nice. And all that, at no risk to your lower back. Well, hell, that's a lot of upside for going upside down. So, thanks for putting your ears on this, kid. Hopefully you found some food for thought on that. Take care of yourself. Well, if you dig what we just discussed today, uh, I'd like to invite you to like and subscribe to the podcast. Hell, support it if you want. I'm not your dad. Do what you want. And if you're a glutton for punishment, uh, just visit our website, extremeselfprotection.com. You'll find links to the blog, all of our products, and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of more pages of like musics. <laughs>